This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We'll be underdogs again. Villa beat us 7-0, even more than Leeds beat us in the in league games. Um, quite rightly, the individuals they have, the team that they are, I know Dean, I know John, obviously, they're, they're a really great outfit. So we'll be underdogs again, the challenge will start again. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Whelan with a corner then for Grealish on the edge of the box. Oh, what an effort! Captain Jack with a blockbuster of a goal. That is a stunner. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And joining me, two gentlemen coming straight from the boatyard, putting the final touches on the big open top barge that will be making its way down the canals of Birmingham to Wembley. Max Stokes from the biggest, the greatest Villa YouTube channel, until we launch ours, Villa on tour. Hello. And also captain of the canal boat, Chris Budd. Ahoy there. Ahoy there, my captain. <laughs> but how are you gentlemen feeling? Are you, are you uh, Wembley ready? Have you got all your transports I am, sorted? I'm sorted. Locked, locked and loaded, ready to go. Yes. Coach sorted, ready to go, but I'm so nervous. What time's your coach? What time do these coaches leave? Um, it's half seven, so it's not too bad. That sounds a bit early. I've had worse. Yeah, I bet. And I'm joining the Moor Street masses. That should oh, that should oh, be fun oh, in games. Oh, oh. the the uh, it's like getting on a train in Delhi, isn't it? India, <laughs> I think so. Just yeah. like people hanging off, climbing on the roof. I'm getting picked up, luckily, and I'm actually going to meet somebody uh, tomorrow to give him give him my ticket. I've been invited by the Football Supporters Federation, who I'm on the National Council of, and I'm hosting a table there. 
of uh, I think Derby and Villa fans and other football uh, people. But luckily, I've got a spot and I uh, managed to get in a mom's patron who's actually uh, traveling from Australia just for the game. Just oh, nice the touch. Weekend. So uh, works out nicely for him. So uh, that worked out quite well. One thing you miss out when you do something like that is you might miss out on uh, a bit of atmosphere. But uh, The alcohol will make up for it. Well, exactly. I, can, I will be able to drink all through the day day finally last time i think i got there late and just turned up for kickoff and uh i had to watch that fulham disgrace pretty much sober so uh painful we'll be making up for it this time uh so you're nervous are you mr stokes i am you it's, have it's, no faith you have no faith in well, well i do i do but come on come on it's, <laughs> it's, it's everybody's nervous i was more nervous before the albion you know nah I'm kind of I'm kind of warm warm inside. I I haven't felt this warm inside since going into Aston Villa Manchester United final in '94 years years ago, where we were four to one outsiders. But I was feeling it, and this last year I wasn't feeling it. I was putting on a brave face. It was a full on fake it till you make it, wasn't it last year? Yeah, when you do, you you know, like you go on the radio or whatever, and you know people are asking you what do you think, and you're going, yeah, yeah. I remember I went on Talksport sitting opposite a Fulham fan, just played the poker face of bluffing it. Yeah, we're going to beat you. No, we got we got some big big game players. They're going to turn up. You'll freeze. We'll win. And you know, inside I'm thinking, there's no way Bruce is going to get this shit together, is it? But this time, I've been listening to a few Derby, you know, podcasts and reading some stuff, and they're still celebrating that Leeds game. It's like uh, a massive achievement for well, them. I mean, it was ultimately, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, and I think, you know, they would not be that disappointed if, if they didn't get past us. Meanwhile, you flip it the other side. If we don't get through Derby, then uh, we'll be pretty gutted. It'll be worse than last year. Yeah, no, for sure. Right, anyway, on this show, rather than waffle on about Villa's chances, which you can hear in the last podcast, number 74, uh, pretty much know by now what we think of Villa. But we're going to have a look at Derby and basically ask who the fuck are Derby County? Do they have a legit chance of beating us? How did we beat them so easily uh, in two previous encounters? What's different now? We'll also look at how they beat Leeds and we'll look at some key threats and uh, also uh, the evolution of uh, Frank Lampard, who uh, was getting criticised earlier on in the season, but now uh, he's starting to turn into a bit of a messiah figure. Right, uh, let's uh, kick off. Give me some trivia, uh, Bud, just to give this game a bit of context, but try not to bore us too much. Okay. Well, Villa will be the 11th losing finalist to return to the Championship playoffs a year later. Only four teams in history have reached the final. Of those four, Leicester in 94, Palace in 97 and West Ham went up a year after losing the final. So Touchwood will be the next one. And of 11 teams in the whole of the Football League playoffs to reach the final a year after losing the previous one, nine of, our, of those 11 gained promotion at the second attempt. So that's the stat to give everyone a bit of hope. So in the championship, it was like three out of those four teams yeah. went up, got to the championship final the year before, and yeah. then overall at EFL playoffs, it's nine out of 11. Yeah. That's pretty strong odds. If my math is right, that's an eight. That's an eighty-nine percent success rate. Yeah. So you turn up, you get, you get beat, but you learn from your mistakes. You go back and you get through the next time. Touch wood. Are you less nervous now, Max? No. You know what that means? Derby County one, Aston Villa nil. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> that's typical Villa, isn't it? But yeah, those stats right. give us a little bit of hope. I just have to add at this point that uh, Max has actually got a, uh, a geography A level exam tomorrow. So. Uh, Ooh. 
his appearance on the show is eating into valuable revision time. So uh, just so we don't feel guilty, we're just going to throw in the odd question here, here <laughs> and there, just to keep him on his toes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go in the realms of physical geography. We'll start off simply. Just a quick question before we go into Derby. Uh, what is the permanently frozen ground in the Arctic called? Um, I have no idea. That's not Come on, Max. Come on, the Max, fr- it's a simple frozen one. frozen ground? What do you mean? <laughs> the permanently frozen ground in the Arctic. I <laughs> don't know. Ice cap. No, permafrost. Oh, yeah. There uh, you go. That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> You're not going to be forgetting that one so far. No, exactly. So far, we've ruined his confidence in Vida and his confidence in geography's <laughs> gone to shit as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's get Scott Hogan to do his exam for him. <laughs> Well, Would, will he even pick else. up his pen? That is the question. Let's start off with uh, Mr. Lampard. What did you think of uh, Lampard, Max, when he was first appointed? Did you think it was a bit... Because you, you got this comparison with John Terry. Obviously, Sky are going to go crazy for this. But two different routes. John Terry takes the, let's say, the more pragmatic practical you know learn do the badges by you know being a coach first and let's say a bit more of a grassroots approach where Lampard like Steven Gerrard uh, and in the same season basically takes the ball by the horns and the limelight and uh, starts from scratch and obviously you know he's got a bit of glitter to sprinkle around the place and uh, lift the profile of Derby but do you think it was like a stunt management choice at the start? Yeah, in a way. Um, I think it was, it was quite common in the summer, wasn't it? You said uh, Stephen Gerrard went to Rangers, Frank Lampard went to Derby, Ryan Giggs went somewhere as well. I think it was, you know, all these these new managers coming onto the scene. But Skulls went to Oldham, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that Sol didn't last Cam- long, did Sol it? Campbell went to <laughs> Macclesfield. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think he's done, he's done a really, really good job, to be fair to him. I think it's taken him a bit of time to adjust and the Championship isn't an easy league to take your first job in as a young manager but I think he's done a really really good job and he's learned over the season and he's in a playoff final so he must be doing something right yeah because I think early early doors in the season uh, I mean fans I mean as we as we know are not patient football fans are not patient anymore especially uh, with social media and you know they were questioning his tactics and they seem to be a bit open at the start but when you look at uh especially their last 12 games. I mean, we mentioned that earlier on when we were basically profiling the the four playoff teams and they'd scored the most goals of any teams in the last 12 games. I think it was 26 goals. And But at the same time, they, they were tightened up their defence and uh, had only lost one game, I think it was against Blackburn, in that 12-game streak. And, you know, our personal experiences as Villa fans are just, you know, 3-0, 4-0, bing, bang, bosh. And so we never looked at them seriously. We didn't even think they would, well, I didn't think they would potentially get to the playoffs because they started to stutter a little bit with draws at the end. And then Middlesbrough suddenly uh, won the odd game and you just think, yeah, Middlesbrough might grind their way in there. But they've pretty much mirrored us in terms of young players. There's a spark there. And now they seem to be uh, well up for it. And I mean, what did you watch the Leeds game? I mean, what were your thoughts uh, from that? Yeah, I saw a bit of it. I thought... I was speaking to a Leeds fan. I think it was just Leeds mistakes, really. I think if you look at the first goal, that's a horrendous goalkeeping mistake. The second one, um, so the third one was a penalty, but I didn't think any any yeah. of their goals was was amazing. Leeds just did the standard Leeds thing and just fell apart. I didn't think obviously you got to give got to give credit to Derby, but I don't think they were 
anything too special. Yeah, because Leeds hit the bar as well, uh, that, yeah. which would have made it 2-0 on the night, 3-0 in aggregate, and that was a bit of a game-changer as well. Villa have got that iron will to win, like from any situation, which has recently come in, in you know, in the back back end of the season. I mean, Derby, uh, I think this is just that one game, I think. Derby fans are saying, oh yeah, we've got, you know, we've got balls now, and, and it's, well, I think it's just based on one game, that Leeds result. And as we know, Leeds fall apart, so... Uh, how much was it Leeds and how much was it Derby is is the big question. But in terms of uh, the Lampard uh, Terry route, I mean Terry in his first season when he was playing, he he seemed to spend every given hour at Chelsea in some respect, and most of his Instagram was Chelsea this, Chelsea that, or swimming shorts. Well, or swimming shorts. But Lampard uh, has brought more of a Chelsea influence. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's a big Chelsea influence, obviously at. Uh, Derby, obviously Jody Morris is there and two key loan players are obviously uh, off the ranks of uh, Chelsea as well, uh, Mount and uh, is it Fikeo, the centre-back? And Mount and uh, Fikeo have, have been a big influence as has Abraham obviously at Villa. But in terms of Lampard, I think, I mean, they celebrated big time and, uh, you know, he hasn't, you know, he said, I'm not apologising for uh, celebrating. I think there was a, uh, I don't know if it's legit but they were definitely in this King's Head pub, and apparently, uh, I think it's going around the social media. There's a there's a receipt for a bar bill of two thousand eight hundred pounds that Lampard allegedly had paid for, which included seventy five Jaeger bombs, two hundred and nine beers, and fifty nine sambukas. There was one Diet Coke as well. <laughs> oh yeah, one Diet Coke. That's probably J D Morris's. <laughs> But uh, I mean that that's a massive bill, and per head that would be insane. Some people say, "Are oh, is it legit? Is it an old uh, old one, old receipt?" Or, or I would say he probably paid for the whole pubs, uh, whole whole pubs drinking because that's a lot of beers to get through. But anyway, they they were celebrating. But then then again, we were celebrating as well, big time. I think that the you know the manner in how both teams got to the final was very yeah, dr- exactly. it was very dramatic. Obviously, Villas was very edgy and that huge release as we saw in Max's. Uh, outpourings in the Villa end on his video, which is brilliant, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I love this club. We're going to Wembley. This is our time. This is our club. We're going to Wembley. And then and Derby, to be fair, because I'd have thought most of their supporters, when Leeds took the lead, you're thinking the worst. Oh, yeah. At that point, you know, you would you'd you'd think Leeds should see that out. The fact that they didn't was was poor. Let's be truthful. Yeah, Derby have been given opportunities; they've taken them. Fair play to that. But essentially, as I think we discussed in the previous pod, it was two teams that were just so poor at the back. Because Leeds throughout, yeah. even though Leeds were dreadful at the back, they were still cutting Derby apart right up until the, the last minute. Yeah, because I noticed that when at the stage they were four-two down, every time Leeds attacked, Derby's midfield was, you know, when you defend, you like if you defended their position to obviously try to get through you'd you know your t- traditional two banks of four or even a bank of five you do what Albion did yeah or a bank of five and four as Albion did but that second bank in front of the uh, the defense just wasn't there Leeds were just cutting through them straight away so when I saw that I you know we're just talking about two minutes three minutes of action I thought yeah this is we've just been from a Villa point of view sharpening our teeth on this fucking West Brom defence, which, I mean, we were pointing the finger at them going into that game, saying that they were the worst defensive records of all the teams. But when we played them, it was like playing Arsenal, the Invincibles or something. It was, uh, you know, it was almost impossible to penetrate them. Villa were very frustrated. So we've been practising against that. And I don't think Derby aren't going to sit back and defend like West Brom do, because they just haven't got the personnel to do that. 
their best hope is to go for us and uh, catch us uh, being nervous or, or bottling it or having stage fright. Yeah, that, they've set themselves up slightly differently since then. We played them in November, which was you know, the 3-0 win that kind of got our season up and running, really. And that was the, the game when we all thought, oh, hello, Villa looked quite decent here. Has, has Smith cracked this? As much as Villa were great on that day, there was a certain amount of Derby being very naive. I think they tried to match Villa 4-3-3 with a very kind of lightweight midfield and Villa just ran through them all. Now they actually yeah. play four and then they play a two in front to kind of protect them. So actually the their lively kind of midfield three of Tom Lawrence, Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, who cuts in from the right, they kind of don't venture back too much. So they actually have those three midfield guys who concentrate on going forward which I think is probably why Derby have on the odd occasion put teams to the sword because when it clicks for Derby they can be pretty devastating going forward yeah do they have the protection at the back it's debatable especially with um you know obviously the uh, the suspension to Scott Malone at left back who was part of their sort of turnaround in form really I think him coming in and you know has clearly made a big difference to them yeah we'll talk about their team specifically uh, I just forgot to kind of give it a bit of context for Derby and their fans in terms of uh, where they are I mean obviously they've been 11 seasons now out of the top tier which is something Villa could be staring at if they don't get up this time at Wembley because we we would be pretty much downgraded as a club I would imagine because we'd have to obviously get rid of Grealish and that that is essentially in a nutshell our financial fair play plan oh yeah because no parachute payments next year probably lose McGinn no chance of getting Mings Abraham gone. wave goodbye to Abraham and uh, all straight away the spine's been ripped out of the team and you've got to start again win and we can maybe still hold hands with these players next season. But Derby, 11 seasons out. This is the third appearance in the playoff finals. Uh, I think they've, they're have they pretty much the playoff team. They've been in... I think it's uh, them think and Ipswich, record. isn't it? I think, I think them and Ipswich have got eight times in the playoffs each. Yeah, this, is, yeah, this will be their eighth time. Uh, and the last time uh, they were at Wembley was five years ago. And in 2014, when they lost 1-0 to QPR... Robert Green, QPR's goalkeeper, was man of the match of that day. So it kind of gives you an idea that they probably had a very frustrating game. Uh, and they actually finished third in the championship table in that year. So they'd have been uh, extra pissed off. And last season, they they were just basically making up the numbers, most felt. But when they beat Fulham uh, in the first leg at home, and they had some early chances at Craven Cottage, but they just fluffed their lines and then inevitably uh, Fulham got through. But I don't think this is uh, Derby carrying on the momentum and learning from last season. This is really a, a, a new Derby team, isn't it? I think it's, it's, a Derby it's, two, transition. Yeah, it's, it's two very different teams, isn't it? I think Villa have a little like bit. Like Villa are yeah, as well. Yeah, I think, I think so. It's you know, two different managers, two completely different philosophies. It's, it's kind of a, a you know, two teams that are in a totally different space to where they were a year ago. And I, But I think, as I, as I said earlier on, uh, I think Derby consider themselves, I think Frank Lampard said it himself, they are basically ahead of schedule of where they expected to be at the end of the season. And this is kind of a, a bonus attempt. I'd, I'd say so, because you'd think he's, he's building something that seems to be working and it's building getting ahead of steam you think potentially if they can keep this team together yeah you know touchwood we can you know get the result we need in the final but next year you could see them being a force regardless yeah before we go on let's have a quick scott hogan touch count a scott hogan touch count you ask but he hasn't played well let's keep this theme of derby going and so i want to know and there's no clues no uh hints or anything i want to know how many touches scott hogan has had against Derby County this season. Who wants to go first? Uh, I will. Go on then. Go on then. 
so this could so the the permutations are endless he could have played them uh i think maximum three times because he may have played them uh, when he played for villa and then obviously sheffield united i'm fairly sure he didn't play with villa i'm gonna say two let's go really low two don't just say three that's not fair I'm waiting for Chris Budd to join in. Um, well, I know. F- and, he's yeah, get, I'm, I'm almost he's getting his calculator out. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty he's certain. He, abacus he, out. There's no fucking way he would have played for Villa against him in November. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it just wouldn't have happened, would it? Um, and he definitely wouldn't have played this side of Christmas. So, that, so it's no. So it's nil point from Villa. Uh, Sheffield United. He maybe they might have played him once. So I'll go. I'm going to be bold and say none. None. Yeah. What did you go for, Max? Two. Wow. We have. The ultimate draw. Ooh. Wow. He had one touch. One that touch. That is shocking. What did he do? Kick <laughs> off. <laughs> and it came it came in a it came in a Claren blue shirt as well. Really? He he came he came on in the in the three nil win uh for three minutes. For the last three minutes. I don't remember that. Wow. So he played so he played three minutes in total, got one touch. Oh, I can't believe. It. Do we? We have to have some kind of crazy tie break. I, I think the only tie break I can offer is because uh, Scott Hogan's on the beach. I think I'm going to have to ask Max in geographical terms. What is a beach? How do how do how are beaches constructed? Uh, sediment from the sea gets washed up and and, and uh, stuff like that. Six marks. Yeah, um, not bad. But I need a bit more detail <laughs> for the extra marks. I don't know. <laughs> do you want a case study well, or something? Uh, yeah, if you can send me over some PowerPoint and diagrams. <laughs> I'll work on that. Beaches result from the dominance of constructive waves over destructive waves, leading to a net gain of beach material over time, creating a store of sediment. Yeah, kind of. Mm. That's, why, that's what he said. I'll, I'm going to give him the marks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it, it's, it's, we'll call that one a draw. <laughs> right, Derby as a team... Uh, as I said, bizarre. After that four nil, they suddenly marched on. One thing I noticed, I mean, Chris, Chris's theory on Derby, uh, the, well, the first two times we played them was they were kind of a bit weak in the middle, and they weren't that physical, and that's why Leeds and Villa, when we played them in the regular season, uh, just you know walked through them. You know, Leeds beat them six one over the two games, Villa seven nil. But one thing I I did notice that in the championship, they had actually uh, occurred the second most yellow cards, 102. Only Forest with 103 were, were higher, but only two red cards. So that suggests they're aggressive without losing their discipline, so to speak. So they're not like reckless, like Leeds United. Or West Brom. Yeah, and West Brom. I think a lot of those uh, yellow cards came in the second half of the season as their resolve improved. So I'll be interested to see what they do if they do the, you know, the usual thing of trying to stop Grealish. And, you know, when you when you watch that West Brom game, when he got the ball, he'd never had any options. They seemed to stifle McGinn. So did they just suffocate the supply from Grealish? Because he, he seemed to have sometimes have time on the ball, but nowhere to go with it. So I'll be interested to see what Derby do with that. But you were telling me, uh, Chris, that Derby, and this will de- depress a few people, were actually missing a few men when we played them previously as well. Can you shed some light the, on the that? The 4-0 win. For example, at Villa Park in March, which obviously got our you know, 10-game winning run and got our season back on track, they were actually missing. I think Wilson was on the bench. Lawrence didn't play. Mason Mount didn't play. Both times we've actually 
played him. I think they've been quite depleted of players. I remember Lampard after both games essentially saying, you know, we were leggy and if you come and play against a team like Villa without energy, you're going to get battered and they kind of did. So this will actually yeah. be the first time we'll play what they would probably class as a full strength derby side because they've actually got a hell of a lot more firepower in in the in that midfield. Because they, I mean, apart from uh, Harry Wilson, they've, they've pretty much spread the goals around, haven't they? Yeah, they're more dangerous as a unit. I think with Villa, you kind of know where the threat's going to come from. Yeah. Derby play a lot slightly more of a fluid system and they all they all get involved like they kind of play as I said like a front three with a lone striker so they potentially have four guys who will all bum on and they'll have two people sitting of which actually I, I wouldn't be surprised as much as he hasn't been playing much football recently I just wonder it being a big game if they put someone like Tom Huddleston to start and just put him man for man on Grealish well just to shadow, yeah, him, and just around. shadow him around and just say he's your man just follow him for because he, he didn't start in the a second leg against Leeds. He came on quite early, I think. Yeah, they made changes, didn't they, in the first half? Yeah. He's kind of good on the ball, but I never fear when we play it, you know, when we played Hull with Huddleston in there, because I think he slows the game down to the detriment of his own team, although yeah. he's technically good. Which you'd imagine he's, he plays um, at a much slower which pace. Which is probably why he hasn't been getting in the derby team, because from what I've seen, they, like, well, just from the Leeds game as a prime example, they 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 really hurt Leeds on the counter attack. If Leeds gave the ball away, it was pop, 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 and a goal. You know, they they can actually play through the yeah. you know, play through the pitch really quickly. And I suppose the other interesting one will be whether um, who plays up front as well will probably be the big one for them. Whether Jack Marriott, who changed the game at Ellen Road, if he starts or to be honest, I can't see them playing Huddleston at Wembley because you know McGinn's just going to pickpocket him most of the time. I would imagine possibly. I think this is it. Holmes and Johnson who play in the deeper roles, so it'll be interesting to see who who gives the protection. As a, you, know, you wouldn't expect Lawrence Mount or Wilson to do too much tracking back. So I wonder if 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 we'll match them. Yeah, Johnson played well at Leeds. I mean, he kept going and kept going and kept going. So I think he, if they're going to put a man on Grealish, maybe uh, he's the man who. Yep. And I suppose they shadow, um, shadow him around the pitch. Maybe it's a dilemma. Maybe not. I, you know, obviously replacing Malone at left back will Ashley Cole just pop straight in and then will the experience do them good or will Villa actually target Cole as they did at Villa Park in March you know obviously El Mohamedy and Adoma just destroyed him for 45 minutes yeah Max if uh, Ashley Cole was picked at left back who would you be uh, from the kickoff sending down the right side to have a go at him that's a tough one I think it's definitely our weakest area I don't see what a domer offers at all. I think he's gone. His legs have gone. He's not fast anymore. You keep anymore. saying that. That's, that's, your, that's your catchphrase. His legs like have gone. <laughs> yeah, well, they have. He, he's useless. <laughs> that's that's to Max what get your shit together is to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like a domer. Um, people talk about Kodja, but he's, no, don't start him. It's For me, it's got to be Andre Green. Yeah. He's, he's faster. Whether the occasion might get to him, I'm not sure. Again, Kodja and Green, I'd like them coming off the bench, but I don't want the dome to start. So it's a bit... <laughs> You can't really win, but I'd start green. I wonder if Adoma, as he was last year, would be better on the left. And I just wonder if he, he might put Al Ghazi out on the right and just say, go on, run him ragged. Because with Al Ghazi... could swap them during the game. Yeah, games, with Al Ghazi's trick, trickery yeah. and pace, and he's got that end product. I think he'd be confident of yeah. getting into some really good positions against Cole. Whereas man for man, you wouldn't necessarily think Adoma would give Cole the same option. It might be that Villa just overload him, though, like they did in the game in March, where you know if Adoma can get into positions, you've still got... El Mohamedy behind him, who actually's probably got a better, de- well, not probably has got a better delivery than Green and Adoma combined. Yeah. So it might be that actually our fullbacks become really important in pinning them back. Max, another selection question. I mean, there's only two real factors. Does 
the opposition make any uh, changes on who you pick? Because there's only a few positions that are really up for grabs. It's like Horahan or Whelan, and then obviously on the on the right hand side. Also, do you think the the size of the pitch factors in on any of the t- potential selections Dean Smith will make? I mean, for example, Whelan or Horahan, or you know, that, the wings either or. Yeah, kind of. I think there's only two real positions that were up for grabs, uh, as you said, uh, right wing and Whelan or Horahan. For me, it's got to be Horahan. People talk about the Wembley being a bigger pitch, but I think that will suit Horahan. Whelan, I know he's probably really capable because he's shown it in the in the run we've been on, but uh, he's got to be Horahan. I'm a massive fan of him. I don't get it when people say they're not. Yeah, But yeah, it's got to be Horahan. I think Hor- Horahan works well when he's fired up. I think there's, there's two types of Horahan. There's the Bruce Horahan that was shackled. Yeah. And playing playing a bit deeper, but without really a license to do anything. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, I certainly noticed uh, the first half of that uh, game against Fulham at Wembley, half of the midfield seemed to have the message that they weren't allowed to cross the halfway line or something because they were very cautious going forward. But I think Horahan's a different player once he's allowed to uh, get in that final third. Because when he's got his teeth, you know, biting down on the game, he's uh, he's a different player, He's effective, I think. isn't he? I think he, he... The Irish spirit kicks in. Absolutely, and I think he... He's one of those players that, well, the, the, the stats don't lie, you know. He, he does influence the game when you can get him further up the field. Yeah. I think he'll put himself... He's got the killer yeah, end product. Yeah, absolutely, and I just think with... Uh, especially after seeing the, the second leg at the Hawthorns, where we seemed so unwilling to just put the ball into the box from set plays, just put Horahan on them and, and put them yeah. under pressure with the likes of Mings and, well, Mings, Twanzabi, Abraham, etc. Get at them at set plays. You know, I think we've, we're still the team that scored the most goals from set pieces which could be vital in a game like this, which two relatively evenly matched sides are going to play a very similar way. They could cancel each other out. It could come down to something like a set play. And I think yeah. you, you don't play Hurahan, as you said, with Bruce. You, you don't play him as the ball winner. I think that's what used to frustrate me and a lot of others is he'd play him as like a, a genuine holding midfielder. And that isn't really his game. Yeah. He's not that sort of disruptive player. He's more a, a quarterback. It's much more of a Smith player. I mean, he wants to get his foot on the ball and distribute and start things off. And then he wants to bomb on, which I think this kind of game will suit him because I don't necessarily think the three lads in Derby will track him unless Lampard says, Do you know what, we've the way we played earlier in the year twice, we can't be quite so naive. We're going to have to be a bit more pragmatic here. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Yeah, Derby obviously do have a fluid and, and zesty midfield, but hopefully uh, McGinn, it, you know, he's the perfect man for the task there. I mean, is, is there anybody, Max, uh, in terms of the Derby's personnel that kind of takes your eye? Um, I think it's their their forward kind of three or four. They, they don't really have a, a like a real standout number nine. I think Marriott came on just before half time in the Leeds game, but they don't really have yeah. a, a flashy number nine. It's the three just behind them that, that worry me a little bit. But it's a funny one, their number nine. Marriott came on and I think he'll start away because he made such a good impact against Leeds but yeah because he's I mean he's only got nine goals this season so he's not like some kind of uh, out and out chap but he definitely did sway the game yeah it's the likes of Wilson and uh, Lawrence behind them that really do bring the end product and David Nugent as well is another one but I, d- I don't think we're going to be seeing him I think yeah I think he's injured to uh, Nugent oh, okay so I think he's out of the picture Bradley Johnson depending on how well, he can keep Grealish quiet and McGinn. That could be a key position. I think Richard Keogh, he'll need to have a good game, I think. I don't think he's very good. He can be got at. Yeah, in terms of pace Both. or... He's just a bit clumsy, yeah. I think, yeah. Like Richard Dunn. Exactly like that. I think I look at how Abraham struggled <laughs> against what was, to be fair, a really superb back three for Albion. I thought Hagazi was superb against Abraham and they bullied him. I don't necessarily see Derby bullying Abraham in quite the same way. I think as well the, the two weeks of extra work. Well, he's but he's going against but he's going against Fakeo Tamori, if I pronounce that right. The, he's Chelsea buddy, and they've obviously played against each other through the ranks at Chelsea. So you'd imagine uh, if anybody's going to keep Abraham quiet, it, it could be him. If it's Tamori and Keo, and then Bogle at right back. And obviously Malone, who came in at left back, he'll obviously won't play. And Cole will probably come in on the back four. And then, of course, they've got the the, the new yeah. goalie, the, the lad Roos, who came in for Scott Carson, who somehow still plays pro football. Oh, so who Scott yeah. Carson still plays pro somehow. football? Well, well, Keller Roos, uh, my sister actually knows him. So uh, if it gets to penalties, I'm going to be frantically texting her to uh, find out if she's got any dirt on him so I can pass it down to the bench so they can give it to the players to whisper in his ear as they go up. She's such an influencer, aren't you? Any means necessary, you know, that is, Chris. We've got to win is, this that game. That is the, uh, the theme, isn't it, for, for Monday? Any means necessary, win at all costs. If we've got to take a young Dutch goalkeeper down, then so be oh, it. I'll happily do that. <laughs> he's just going to be casualty in the big war. But yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's all right. I still haven't formed an opinion on uh, if he's a good goalkeeper or not. He's better than Carson at the moment. I think Carson's uh, had his day, so yeah. to speak. Uh, I mean, the funniest thing about the uh, the 4-0 from where I was at Villa Park was when, when Harry Wilson came on in that game and Villa fans were starting to sing, you're just a shit Jack Grealish. <laughs> Didn't he come on like after all the damage had been done? It's a really strange one. Yeah, it was a bit too late for old Harry, I thought. Well, have you seen much of uh, Harry player. Wilson? I mean, to be honest, I mean, he scored, scored 16 goals and obviously we've I've seen, you know, some of the highlights and some of his free kicks or whatever. But uh, I haven't seen his impact in, in the context of uh, this Derby team, apart from obviously I think he's a very similar kind of player to McGinn. He's got that kind of energy yeah. and... Yeah, he's got a good left foot and can pop up with a goal. So, but I don't think he's as tenacious. He's well, I don't think more, I don't think many more, are. Yeah, no, but I mean, there's a little bit more. He's, he's a bit of a halfway in between Grealish and McGinn, I would say. Yeah, he's certainly got that. that he's certainly that sense. more, a little bit more sort of silky, isn't he? McGinn's got that more like bite and aggression, and potentially, yeah. you know, will will the experience come into it? You know, obviously, Horan and Grealish were involved at Wembley last year. Grealish has played at Wembley numerous times, and of course, four times. This will be his and fourth. Of course, John McGinn has. 
won Scottish Cups with Hibs, and so they, you know, they've all played. In, they've all been played. You know, they've all won big games. I think Jed Steers played a playoff game before at Wembley because that was one of my concerns. He, he obviously a uh, bit of a hero in the uh, over the two legs against the Baggies, so that was a big test passed. He comes across a really confident guy, though, doesn't he? Yeah, no, I mean, when he gave that guy a stare, the double he stare. He went up in my estimation a lot. Yeah, before the first penalty, I, I, I thought, I like this chap. Because, you know, when you looked at him with his little quiffy hair, you just thought he's, he's just like a substitute goalkeeper, isn't he? He's but, another Mark uh, Bunn. He's Yeah, he's just... <laughs> don't be that harsh yeah, on him. But he's he's actually shown personality. Because also you thought, well, he's a bit slight for a goalkeeper compared to, you know, some of the keepers nowadays. But he's he seems to be uh, all there. So hopefully he has a top game. Uh... If it goes to penalties, how was penalties? Uh, you were there, Max. Did you feel confident at the start? I mean, I was saying on the show that I felt confident just because we seem to have all our penalty, all our ducks in a row, so to speak, and West Brom's all their main men were off. Do you know what? I was, I was actually kind of confident going into it. I think the fact we were all over them in extra time gave me a little bit more confidence. But as you said, them taking off all their players, they had no strikers on the pitch and the fact they're like, their first two penalty takers were defenders just gave me that confidence but it it was a horrendous experience I think Jed Steer saving the first two helped but yeah big awful I mean it's the perfect start isn't it in a penalty shootout to save the first one and then score again missing it was that your first live penalty shootout um I went to the playoff final when Huddersfield won if that counts but it was definitely the first one that that uh, meant something to you (laughs) yeah yeah when you were a Huddersfield town fan (laughs) yeah for that one season (laughs) before you defected (laughs) yeah what people don't know is Max is just a fan of the championship and he just likes to pick a team in the championship and follow him oh yeah if Villa go up I'll be a Luton town fan or something (laughs) I mean the bad news about Derby is that They've proven themselves some penalties. They beat Southampton in the League Cup 7-6 on penalties. And then the FA Cup, they went even deeper into penalties and beat Manchester United 10-9. And they have, I mean, they've got some, as we've said, smart players. So I think they will have a bit more depth than obviously we faced uh, from the Albion in terms of takers. But I'm hoping it's not going to get that far. You think the, the way both teams play, you, you wouldn't expect it to. I think you'd, I would imagine it will be done in 90 minutes. Yeah. Ooh. If the best possible Villa team turn up against the best possible Derby team who Villa. wins Villa it's gotta be 100%. By, what, by what kind of score uh, 3-1 Villa if, if Villa turn up we yeah. will win 100% I'm not, I'm not asking for a prediction I'm just saying how yeah, yeah. what the difference is between the best versions of uh, these teams we've got the quality we've got the quality both I teams think. have got quality I look at the big the two big differences between the sides to me in fact it's probably three we've got a genuine goal scorer I think they've got lots of midfielders who can chip in with goals. I think we've got the best player in the championship who's a big game player. And probably the big one that could be on the day is, I think, our centre-back pairing. Well, the big, I mean, the big question for me, and this is more aimed at Max, is uh, what are the main features of coastal disposition? What? No, come on. You've caught me off guard there. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stick to Derby. Come on. Can, can you explain what a spit is? I can, actually. Hey, here we go. Been, yeah. Can... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a longshore drift when at uh, the mouth of the river, uh, the coastline curves and longshore drift continues into the sea and the sediment gets deposited. And then, yeah, so, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. That's pretty good. What about compound spits? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, sorry, where, where were we? <laughs> Just keeping you on your toes. I've got to keep your brain alive. I'm for ready, tomorrow, I'm ready. <laughs> 
So, I mean, Villa normally in these games, when when we're expecting, they go to sleep for 45 minutes either way. And I still think we could potentially beat Derby unless they run us through early playing you know, at their best. But I don't know. I'm, I'm confident that I don't think Smith's going to let this one slip. And I think Derby fans will be happy to be there. Villa fans are there for a mission. Absolutely. I mean, when we, most Villa fans at this point have had a day out at Wembley. Most Villa fans have also had a shit day out at Wembley. So it's like this time, this time it's very much, at least yeah, let's two. go there and get the job done. You know, anyone who was there last year doesn't want to feel like that again. No, hopefully both well. Both teams, in theory, will have gone one step better if we, if we, if we can go up. So but the expectation's on Villa. And I think Villa, as you said earlier, Villa, Villa have more, potentially more to lose. I just want to see Villa score at Wembley. I've seen Villa twice at Wembley, <laughs> and the aggregate scores five 0 to the opposition. I haven't so. seen Villa score. <laughs> I haven't seen Villa score in open play at Wembley since about 1996. <laughs> 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 having missed the Liverpool semi-final but other than that there was the Bolton semi-final was crap and we was on penalties Chelsea we didn't score United was a penalty wasn't it the Milner one which I'll come on to the subplot of that in a minute Arsenal was shocking <laughs> if I hadn't had gone to that game against Liverpool at Wembley I think I would have committed Villa suicide by now <laughs> and that's why I support Luton <laughs> Like when I was a kid, Liverpool were the team and everybody supported Liverpool apart from me. And uh, they would batter Villa every fucking game for like, I think it's 12 years we failed to beat them. And then the tide turn, I think Ron Atkinson started to turn it around. We started to beat Liverpool quite regularly. And finally, we played Liverpool for the first time ever at Wembley my nemesis team, Liverpool, more so than the Blues, by the way. And so I got a lot of pleasure. It was like refilling the Villa battery so I could carry on supporting them because uh, I was running on empty. (laughs) It's a metaphor, by the way, by the way. Uh, Another physical geography question, or shall we go into the... I've actually only written down half of the uh, listener questions. There's not that many. Have any of the listeners... There was actually loads. What we should have done is got the listeners to pose geography questions for Max. Missed opportunity there. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll just go through them quickly. One I have actually written down. I only actually written down about eight or so, but we'll do them very quickly. Thomas Andrew asks, will Villa get complacent against no Derby? Uh, I think the fans yeah, might. I think Smith will have the players yeah. so fucking focused on this one. And and the players yeah. who were there last year will be even more so. I think the fans need to really get into this, not get nervous or edgy because we've seen the team can come back from behind. So if we go like one nil down, the fans shouldn't shit their pants and start biting the nails and get all edgy. They should be behind them and uh, pushing them through with the expectation of getting back in the game. I'm just hoping uh, one thing that disappointed me about the FA Cup final and the Fulham game was when you got there with all these bloody plastic flags and hashtags everywhere and silly scarfs and it just just distracted i mean because the finals are normally the tv events against this, uh, against liverpool the fans were really part of the game we brought our own flags we brought we sorted out that mosaic but we also sorted out we sorted out you never walk alone as well as soon as that came on we dinned it out, so the fans were really up for it and involved before the ball was kicked. And after dinning out, uh, you'll never walk alone, the mosaic came up. So the Liverpool fans thought, because Liverpool were there just for another day out, and they saw they just saw that mosaic and what they were doing to you'll never walk alone and just thought, oh, fuck, these guys are really up for this. So I'm hoping we get that kind of fan, fan power 
at uh, Wembley and uh, we just steamroll through Derby and they don't know what's hit them, as we should have done against Fulham, by the way. But the white wall crushed us and repelled Football us. Football wood on the day, as Mr Kearney put it. Well, he, he was right. Lachlan Jarrod, I think it is. It's one of these crazy Instagram names. Says Leeds, Leeds are falling apart again. Yes, that is we can, we can all be We can all be smug about that if we go up. I mean, I, I admitted to this on, on social media. I wanted Leeds in the final because I wanted to be the ones Absolutely. to administer the justice. Absolutely. So I was a little bit disappointed. So in terms of complacency against Derby, it's like I've got no axe to grind against Derby and I don't think many Villa fans no, have. Really. Have you got any beef with Derby, Max? Um, Robbie Savage, does that count? No, because I always associate, I always associate his beef with him at Blues because yeah. he was like probably, one of, he yeah, was probably one of Derby's worst ever players, wasn't he? Clutching his straws a bit. Well, didn't he have the stat that he never won a game for them? It was something stupid. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Because he was in that season when they were the worst relegated team ever, weren't they? Yeah, but apart from that, no, not really. Kieran JMCD asks... Callum O'Hare, Kin and Davis in the squad next year if we don't go up. If we do, loan to championship question mark. I want to see Keenan and Davis. Yeah, I think I think Keenan Davis is good enough to uh, be in the squad, whichever league we're in next yeah. season. I, would I say. think he's a good option, isn't he, to have because he's a real battering ram. Callum, Callum O'Hare, I think he probably is going to end up needing a good season somewhere, which I just, un- unfortunately, I don't see him getting that game playing. Villa. Yeah. So, yes, it's the uh, the answer to that question. Although I'd keep Davis, whichever league. DC1967 asks, are we going to play well at Wembley? We haven't done it in a while. Max, what does it say in your crystal ball? Yes, I bloody hope so. Yeah, it's, it's... I don't like score predictions because that's what you guys do and other people do. And I, I've always said they're irrelevant because once it happens, uh, yeah. it's gone. But for the sake of uh, DC 1967, we play well. What's the score? Villa to win, both teams to score, 2-1 Villa. Ooh, close, close game, live to the end. I'm going to say... 3-1 as Max did earlier mm. I want to see us throw the fucking kitchen sink at him yeah I do I mean when I get in, go into the final I like to march into them and so I'd go 3-1 as well but you know you always know it's a uh, but yeah I've got a feeling I'll stick with a good feeling Matt Tannum 85 says all he says is Codger turning down a pen did he turn one down against West Brom I don't know or was he just sixth on the list because the only way he really fits I mean when you play I mean we had strong penalty takers all the way through and you have to hand in the list order before it starts I believe so yeah yeah so they wouldn't have adjusted it after they've missed their first two but I think it's it was strong up to number five number five always a key penalty so you got Abraham and if it goes to sudden death, I think Codger goes and, and it just, you know, you've got a strong yeah. uh, lineup. So I don't necessarily think it was like, it wasn't to the detriment of Codger. I think it was just to keep the hand strong if it goes to sudden death. I think we had, I think we had depth there though, you know. Yeah. Rich Saunder asks, will Villa freeze in the final like last year or will the Smith babes rise to the occasion? I don't think they'll be shackled. They won't be shackled like they were last year. Smith will say, "Go out and play our game." I don't think they'll treat it any differently. Bruce, uh, Bruce, no, Bruce, I think, I think played the occasion. Yeah, I think. Well, last season uh, Villa failed to get win one corner in the whole game. I think Villa will get a corner in the first five minutes. That would be nice. I just think Bruce didn't really know what to do, did he? I think when we went one 0 down, he looked a little bit clueless. But I think Smith knows what he's doing. You always trust this team uh, to score whenever, no matter what the score. So yeah, I, th- yeah. I think we'll be alright. 
Sean AVFC, and also this is uh, Kenevi asks a similar question. Why have we got 2,000 less tickets than last year? I asked Villa about this. The reason is that that was our allocation. Wembley have dropped the allocation to clubs. Uh, Obviously, these tickets have gone to sponsors or corporate members or, or whatever. I mean, on the flip side, the FA Cup, after the Football Supporters Federation lobbied the uh, the FA, they managed to increase uh, the amount of tickets, I think by 7,000, but now they're only like 28,000 per team for the FA Cup final. But it used to be worse than that, so at least it's uh, you know a lot better than the uh, the playoff final is a lot better than the FA Cup final. But I think yeah, those extra two thousand tickets would have been nice because there's uh, definitely enough demand for it. I don't I don't like that middle club Wembley circle thing being half of it on both sides will be neutral. Well, obviously Villa fans were trying to get tickets in there, but one half will be neutral. And and I think it just does cut the atmosphere. There's going to be a lot of very fucking pissed off people if there's empty seats there because Villa could sell those tickets. Yeah, no, exactly. And Matty Manns asks, Max, question for you first. What superstitions do you have in terms of watching Villa? Is there anything you do, anything you wear, anything uh, you don't do? Not really. I think the only thing I can think of is like a shirt. I'm definitely not going to wear the same shirt I did last year, which was the the 94 uh, Muller shirt. I'm not wearing that because that I just can't take that. So uh, I think I've gone with a, a 1980. It's got to be retro, hasn't it? You've got to wear a retro one. But in terms of superstitions, yeah. I don't really have anything. Chris Bird? Um, my superstitions are the last few times we've... Well, there's a few this year, actually. Every time I've every, uh, every time I've driven to Wembley, we've always lost. So we are getting the train this year, just for variety. I won't be wearing a Villa shirt, as I don't normally wear colours for games anyway. And the only time I ever wore one was for the FA Cup final, and we got twatted. And the playoff final, which went... <laughs> abysmally as well so I will be going with the sa- and strangely here's a good one I changed the pair of jeans I was wearing before the derby game <laughs> mid-match against Arsenal after we went 3-0 yeah. down and shot <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself <laughs> but I, I had a pair of jeans I was wearing for a while put them away for one side bought a new pair in January and obviously all shit hit the fan changed them back in March and Ooh. boom 10 on the bounce so they're not going anywhere <laughs> I'm going to sleep in those jeans <laughs> strange <Yep>. man <laughs> Uh, Hoppo1313 asks, how do I get on the canal boat to Wembley? Pay us a lot of money. Or buy us a boat. That'll guarantee we'll play something. Yeah, get the boat first. Yeah, you get the boat, you get the boat, we'll bring the party. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a deal. <laughs> I'd like to bring the boat, though. I think that's that's better than bringing the party. Yeah. Because yeah. Not, not many people can bring a boat. Uh, Ethan Taylor, this is the last question I actually wrote down. The rumour of the PSG owner and Aston Villa, I think that was just a rumour that they were looking for somebody in the championship and you know somebody had clickbaited it and threw Villa in there. But uh, I don't think uh, our present owners have got any intentions of selling no anytime soon they've pumped way too much money into not get to the end game now haven't they there was talk for a little little while wasn't there that they they were going they might go after someone like forest because i know forest are about to do a quite a big redevelopment of their stadium and the infrastructure in general so i wouldn't be surprised if they'd potentially see someone like forest as as a team they can get stuck into but yeah i think uh, eden's and Suarez will be celebrating big time if they win on uh, Bank Holiday Monday because they can really get going then. Yeah. Because talking about uh, infrastructure change, I mean, Villa Park is very, very dated now. And some of the concourses and at various stands aren't really fit for purpose. We couldn't meet the disabled quota of, of places if we got into the Premier League. So we have to sort that out as well. I think you get a season or so to uh, do that. 
I'm guessing R1 would disappear then and they'd put them by the away fans, as was previously discussed. No, their previous discussion was to rip out, I think it was the last five to eight rows of uh, the lower north. Right. So you essentially, I think there's about, it was 18 rows or something. So you're literally taking out half, half, and it would just destroy the atmosphere yeah. there. I mean, you know, PC people will say, oh, no, but, you know, you, you're you saying that uh, wheelchair people don't make as much noise as uh, able body. But and no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it will literally, you'd have half a stand, less, less people there, because obviously wheelchair bays and carers take up more point. And, you know, they should have proper facilities not just uh, a kind of a bastardization of uh, you know a lower tier and bottom line is that north stand needs a wrecking ball through it as paul faulkner once told me it needs a wrecking it's ball needed it for it. years it hasn't a, it a new stadium it yeah, needed it exactly. needed it when bloody learner arrived i mean if i had unlimited money i would take down the uh the doug ellis stand as well and not call it that when it was rebuilt too right because the, the the upper tier in that, I mean, somebody, some Villa staff described the upper tier in the Doug Ellis as like something out of Hammer Horror. The concourse is shocking, so, isn't so it? They, <laughs> so they know, you know, they know. And uh, lower north as well, terrible. Well, uh, the whole north stands horrible. The first time in my life I went in the upper north for that Middlesbrough playoff game, the home leg last season, I thought, right, for the playoffs, let's, let's try something different. And can't believe the experience of from going in and the queuing and going in this really small kind of hatch in the wall i mean the view's pretty good but apart from that it's uh it's like going back in time a few that decades. was in the upper north stand yeah yeah the view up there is quite good but the, the concourse is shocking yeah meanwhile down at tottenham who we used to be considered to be in the same ballpark of uh back in the day you know not going back that long you look at their stadium and you look at ours i mean villa's got the you know the beautiful holt face and that that kind of you know victorian tradition and it's not just like a uh, modern shitty build but once you get inside it's a different story and uh it's not really catering for the supporter when you're starting to pay these big ticket prices, you, you need to really to be offering a bit better than uh, they do. Well, at like the Spurs have got their own brewery but, and a cheese lounge, amongst other things. Exactly. And the best thing, which I think they've nailed, is you can stay behind after the game for two hours and get pissed. Think how much money they're going to make by turning that stadium into a destination rather than going, right, full-time, you lot can all fuck off now, which what most football stadiums do. You don't want to stick around most football grounds. Uh, but if you set it up that it's... It's a swanky place, and you actually have a few bars in it that feel like real bars with proper seats that you can sit down and you know have a chinkwag after, and uh, has decent Wi-Fi so Matt Stokes can load up his videos uh, without <laughs> even going home. Then I think that'd be nice. The world might be a better place <laughs> in B six anyway. Right, let's uh, call this a day because uh, I just the next thing I want to be thinking about is uh, driving down to Wembley and. Uh, Enough talk, and let's, let's get just, on with let's the just action. Let's get it done now, and let's get to uh, the Premier League. It's it's going to be weird. It's like a, it will be a complete readjustment because I have. I don't, well, what do you like, Max, in terms of keeping tabs on the Premier League? Do you watch much of it? Uh, you know, do you watch Match of the Day? Because I went two seasons, two seasons without watching Match of the Day. If if there's nothing else on, I'll watch Match of the Day. But I don't. I'm more interested in Quest, which is quite tragic. I just want to get rid of Quest. <laughs> Get me back on match of the day. That'd be nice. You know, since we got um, relegated, my my general interest in football outside of Villa has just diminished massively. I used to watch loads of football yeah. on TV. I don't yeah. bother with that. I might watch a bit of the Champions League stuff. Not really interested. I wasn't. I haven't been asked about the Premier League for a long time because I just think the bottom half of it's crap. 
You know, I said numerous times I've looked at teams like Bournemouth and Huddersfield and these pokey little towns that have overtaken Villa and it's just depressing. And then to be honest, yeah, I, and, no, I've, that is and I've pretty much embraced my ignorance in the championship as well. Every team that's come to Villa Park, I've, I've not done any, like, I've just thought, who the hell are these like? I've kind of just thought. Yeah, well, it, it tells on the podcast that you're on as thanks, well. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Villa, that's why. You walked into that it's one, Bird. You walked we'll probably do one, one last uh, revision question, aren't we? No, I was just loading it up as you were speaking. Uh, how does weathering affect the coastline? Bloody hell, it's a bit vague, isn't it? That is a bit vague. <laughs> they wouldn't ask. They wouldn't ask. Okay, okay. Is that, is that one of these ones where you that's get That's a 20 eight, marker, that is. That is. Like an eight pages. Do you want additional paper type question? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll break it down. Uh, oh. What is what is mechanical weathering? Mechanical weathering? Yeah. Um... Dave, where have you got these questions from? Have you have you got these from the syllabus? Is this from AQA? It must be, a, yeah, it must be a different exam board. That's what I'm blaming that on. <laughs> there are two types of mechanical weathering which occur at the coast. Freeze thaw weathering occurs when the daytime I can explain temperature that. is different than the nighttime temperature either side of freezing point on rock forces. Blah 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 blah. Biological weathering as well. This type of weathering occurs when plants or animals break down the rock. Blah 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 blah. Do you know about biological weathering? Do you know about chemical weathering? You do, do you know about ex- oxidization? I know about that. Y- yeah. I did AS level geography. Um, I remember some of this. Oh, well, you, you didn't really help. Maybe Max can phone a friend, Bud, when he's in the exam, and you might be able to uh, regal him with your knowledge from your AS level. From my, tra- from my travels. <laughs> from I can travels. pretty much identify anywhere in the world by football teams and Bond films, though. <laughs> just before we go, I just want to say uh, we, we did all the shout-outs for most of the patrons uh, on the last show, but uh, a couple of notable mentions thanks to daniel bradley for upping his pledge and also to michael and you're going to kill me michael because i'm going to have to try to pronounce your name next michael capacetti from canada who you may remember him actually from 2013 when he wrote to all premier league clubs when aston villa were a premier league club saying that he was a free agent from canada a free agent supporter looking for a club and Mr. Fox, Tom Fox et al., uh, got in touch with him and persuaded him to be a Villa supporter. So he joins our ranks and he's actually flying over for the uh, playoff final at Wembley. So uh, hopefully he will bring us good luck. What was his last name again? Kappa City. Like Kappa, our new kit manufacturers. Nice, nice segue. Get him a free kit, Villa. But it's, it's with the C, not a K. Uh, Three-year contract for Kappa. What's your thoughts on that, uh, Mr. Stokes? Kappa, you're a man of the street. How, how do Kappa sit? Oh, I don't know. I'd rather have stuck with Luke, but we we all know that wasn't going to happen. I think Kappa, yeah. everyone says, oh, they're tight-fitting, but I think Villa have said that they're going to work on that. But to be honest, I, I, I want to see the kit. I'm not I'm not particularly looking forward to it, but yeah. We'll, we'll I see. mean, Luke nailed it this year. So hopefully he goes out, you know, with a, you know, his kit was a brilliant design. Hopefully if the result goes the way we want at Wembley, it'll be an iconic design that we actually associate with something. Yeah. Well, he just, just copied, I told you, he just copied the 1984 kit. Yeah, but did a good job. We all know that. I'm pretty apathetic about kits, to be honest, because I never buy them anyway. But we did mention on a previous show uh, that Ian Taylor dropped the hint that we were going green stroke Muller 94 for the away yeah. kits. So, I did hear uh, rumour that that's the, that's the third kit and a light blue away kit. Right. Okay. So good luck, Michael, uh, and safe travels from Canada. Speaking of Canada, Max Stokes, what were the main environmental concerns of Canada? Uh, I've no idea. Canada was not one of my case studies. There you go. 
<laughs> Just for the record, A, preventing acid rain, B, conserving timber resources, C, pollution of Great Lakes, and D, regulating the mining industry. So um, there you go. Just in case they throw you a curveball about Canada in your exam, you, you are well covered. <laughs> God. If you want to support the show, please do become a My Old Man Said patron by going to myoldmansaid.com and clicking on the patron option. Also subscribe to the show if you listen on Apple or I- Stroke iTunes and also Spotify. Make sure also that you subscribe to Villa on Tour, the biggest Villa YouTube channel. You just basically go to YouTube and search Villa on Tour, don't you? And it, yeah, and it pops e- up. easy as that. Drop me a subscription. Cheers. I just want to see if you've actually listened to a word we've said. What is the permanently frozen ground in the Antarctic called? Permafrost. Thank you. Good night. Easy. (laughs) On that note, on that note, we will get on our knees and pray to two gods. We will pray to the god of football to bring us the harvest of goals that we require at Wembley on bank holiday, Monday, the 27th of May, the day before my birthday. And we will also pray to the god of physical geography, praying that he gives Max Stokes safe passages to the land of grade A's in geography. Oh, I'll take a B. <laughs> okay, God of God of physical geography, I'll take a B. <laughs> Can we transfer the extra bit that we would need to pray for an A on Villa scoring an extra goal, maybe? I'll take that. Right, on that note, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man And joining me, two gentlemen coming straight from the boatyard, putting the final touches on the big open top barge that will be making its way down the canals of Birmingham to Wembley. Max Stokes of the Villa Underground. Sorry, of the Villa. Oh, that's wow. tremendous. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, right, I'm off. Bye. <laughs> He's having a Mariah I'm, Carey I'm, moment now. <laughs> I'm going to have to close this podcast He's going to be charging you a fee from now on. <laughs> I can't I can't live with myself. Oh my god. <laughs> Geography thing will just throw people off. It's random and uh didn't go too well, did it? Yeah, I'm oh. I'm fearing now for you. Oh, I don't care. Because <laughs> you've really pulled off stuff that's on like Google <laughs> rather than the exam board. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm 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 I've got it down. I've got it down. I've got oh. it I, this these are coming from A stroke AS level uh, papers. Uh oh. Did you go on uh, bite size revision or something? Bite size. <laughs> Is that still a thing? I think so. There Smashed you go. We, we got fucking permafrost in there yes. twice. <laughs> Say hello to my qualifications. <laughs> oh, I pray that comes up tomorrow. That'd be amazing. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans